Hi, Lizard here. Just wanted to take the time to greet you and warn you for a few things. First, the podcast listening to contains language and content that will not be suitable for younger audiences, so viewer discretion is advised. There will be spoilers for Africa Saturday Man as well as any other anime may occur, so be very careful if there's something you haven't listened to yet. And last but not least, the views and opinions expressed are those of the individual participants in tonight's episode and do not reflect the podcast as a whole. That's it. That's the disclaimer. You probably expected something special like Paul Bear stands into Astronomia, Wakanda Forever, The Chance of Lion King. Just a simple day around the office. Though, on our break times, we do get to watch uh, some Family Feud with uh, Geese Harvey. Man, I tell you, that dude is funny. Well, well, what do we have here? Oh, President Turtle, what, what, what brings you here? Simple, I came to see what the commotion was about. Well, some folks from Africa Talk came by to the office to discuss some personal business. Not much business going on here. Get back to work, I'm not paying you to listen on my dime. Besides, who would want to talk to your crying behind anyway? Alright then. My apologies. The corporate drones here would be a waste of your time. Anyway, if you'll excuse me, I'm off to the strip club for a business meeting with Toucan. Supposedly, he has a, a multi million dollar idea to have Elon Tusk quick in his boots. Welcome to the Dub Talk Podcast, where tonight a bunch of domesticated animals try to survive the jungles of the corporate world in order to review the latest and greatest in anime. I'm Jamal the Lizard, and with me are my friends tonight Roots the Lion, Paper Jam, with a. Why is the, why is it saying and, paper jam? Why the fuck is it saying paper jam? Yeah, the papers are jammed. And fresh off his cancellation, Andrew the Toucan. I want to do my work. This work's stupid. Y'all are a bunch of nerds. I just want to blow all my fucking cash at the bar. I want to pick up some chicks and then probably spend it all on. Oh, okay. Wait, is this live? I mean. Mm. I'm a model employee. I can't wait to work hard and show myself to the world. Be careful, Andrew, because you were placed in the Fox division. So, uh, yeah. And tonight's will be an interesting episode, to say the least. So, raise your flags as we expend our white-collar energies tonight. We will be covering the dub of Africa Salaryman, the 2019 show animated by Studio Hatsapang, a studio I've never heard of. They seem like a very, a much smaller, lower budget studio, which honestly for the, the style of the show, it actually kind of works. Yeah, it kind of works. And, uh, for a show like Africa Salaryman, it works. And, uh, who better to host the, the episode than African American hourly employee, you know? Yeah. Hey, there we go. Can't complain with that. Mm-hmm. And if you never heard of the show, here's a quick synopsis for you. Navigating office life can be hard, especially when you work with animals. From middle management to presentations, lying to Ken and Lizard try to survive in the wild world of office life. Adulting can be rough, 
even for these animals. So yeah, this is kind of interesting for a couple of reasons. Because for one, I discovered that this show is a remake. A what? Of oh, a. Yeah. It was a remake of an uh, of an old. O- OV- is it over or ONA? Uh, it, it's an anyway, ONA. There's a couple of them. It's OVA, ONA, OAD, OTP. Uh, I think that's yeah, how this, it goes. Yeah, this one specifically O-P-P. is an ONA. Yeah. I likely know, I was animated by production IG, however. So. What? I thought, and it was... Yeah. And the fun part about it is it was actually produced to be viewed via smartphone. Um, so it's actually yeah. 9 by 16, not 16 by 9. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Boy, if you want to get topical, boy, that sounds a lot like the <coughs> now defunct Quibi. <laughs> Rest in piss, Quibi. Yeah. Um, you I'll can't see it, but I'm dancing on Quibi's grave. I'll say this. Why do you think I said rest in piss? So, watching this show again is interesting for two reasons. One, this was actually originally something we tried once for a, uh, back when we were doing dedicated seasonals, uh, we had a couple of picks for the fall season, and then we decided, hey, let's let some of our patrons pick the last one of that season. This was the one that ended up winning that patron poll for the fall 2019 season. So, took a little bit, but we are finally doing it as promised. Huzzah. Better late than never. Hell yeah. Yeah, Secondly, secondly, God, it has been a while since I have been in an office. Because I was commuting to a regular office for my job up until mid-March. And I have pretty much not worn a suit and tie since then. So I guess it's kind of nostalgic seeing like, hey, this is what it was like commuting to work. This is what it was like going to an office and using computers. This is what it was like having to interact with people regularly while fully clothed and not looking like garbage. It's weird. This is what it was like when you had when you were overrun in your office building by hamsters wielding knives. Oh, God. I can't even imagine what that would be like. Just just imagine going to lunch, and then there's just a fucking hamster with, like, giant blades, and you're, you're not even batting an eye. It's just like, hey, bud, how's it going? How's the wife and kids? And then he stabs you, and it's like, not well, huh? But yeah, no, it's watching the show is weird because, God, it's been months since I've been in an office. It's weird. So it's kind of interesting watching this show again. It reminds me of the before times. Oh, so yeah. yeah. Boy. Uh, the days before, before the human south. malware. Damn I like how human malware has a different meaning this year than last year. But enough about Toucan. We'll talk about him later. Oh, Ah! God, will we? (laughs) But before we get to our colorful cast of characters, we got to talk about a colorful crew 
that be the ADR director and scriptwriters. And uh, helming this show is uh, our ADR director, Jade Saxton, who is assisted by both Dallas Reed and Monica Rial. And our scriptwriters, for the most part, is Caitlin Barr. However, Jeremy Kratz also helped pen, helped pen episode 7. Alongside with being the uh, script supervisor for the majority of this? Yeah, he's the main script supervisor, so... Jade Saxton, you've seen her direct other shows such as The Helpful Fox Seiko-san, Konohara Kitan, Nekopara, Nichijou, and How Heavy the Dumbbells You Lift. Dallas Reed, you've also seen him direct Black Clover, Hinomaru Sumo, Robihachi, my favorite, and Surrey Dirty Children. Michael Yard, it's been a hot minute. You've also seen the director My Hero Academia, Heroes Rising, Nabar Ido O, Radiant, and Harlick. Caitlin Barr, you've also seen her write for other shows such as Angels of Death, Black Cloak, Black Cloak, Black Cloak, Black Clover. Black Clover, Black Clover, Black Clover. That, that almost sounds like a remix of like one of the openings. Black Clover, Black Clover, Black Clover, Black Clover. Black Clover, Citrus in Zombie Saga. Jeremy Kratz, he's also in for anything and everything by Hero Academia. Pretty much. Saga of Tati. Yep, Saga of Tanya the Evil and Sir Vamp. So, uh, should I throw you two to a pit, or who's gonna go first? Um, you know what, I'll give it a, I'll give it a go. So, starting off, if there's one thing I've learned over the course of doing Dub Talk, Jade Saxton is a very reliable director. She has a good... She's very good with the crews she assembles. I know she had do she does like regular. I don't I don't know if this is still the case, but I think she did regular um, auditions for some of her projects too. And if nothing else, the crew she assembles, especially the main ones, are all pretty solid. Admittedly. This show has a lot of characters, but most of them are basically kind of like one-off gags or like little quirky side characters that show up for five minutes. Yeah. The majority of the show is basically built on the writing and the comedic chops of like maybe three characters minimum with a couple other rotating ensembles stepping in and out. There's, like, maybe, like, three or four other really notable characters, but this is mostly, like, a small core ensemble doing the core of the comedy and the comedic timing, and honestly, it's... It is really strong. It's... The chemistry off of these characters is insane, and one in particular is so kooky out there that I genuinely cannot believe some of the things that are being said and some of the things that are coming out of this character's mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the script is definitely a... This is not a show that would have benefited from a straight adaptation at all. This one needed some zest. <laughs> this one needed some spice. This has some good, good spice to it. Caitlin's got a good way with words especially with certain deliveries and they're just 
this feels like a quirky office culture that really, really works itself out. I also just... I'm also just kind of in awe at some of the things that were said during the show. <laughs> the fucking phrase Bukake came up and I'm still kind of in awe that that's just a thing <laughs> that was referenced. That was just a thing that was just dropped. I don't really know what to go into it, but it's just a very fun, zany, spicy, comedic like gag manga script and it just it just feels right it just feels goofy out there and it, it gave me some really hard chuckles it's fun jade and caitlin are a very good team and i'm very i had a fun time revisiting this one again i think dallas monica uh jeremy and the whole team did a strong job but this was for the most part uh, Jade and Caitlyn, and I think, yeah, they definitely got a really good, uh, comedic script. They got a good comedic performance out of the comedic script. It's funny! I'm trying to sound intelligent. The This is a very convoluted way of saying it's funny and I enjoyed myself. Jade, Caitlyn, and company should be proud. Alright, Oops. Yeah. Okay, um, so going along with what Andrew said, um, one thing I've kind of noticed with the shows Jade Saxon directs is that she tends to do a lot of the shows that sort of revolve around Japanese culture a bit more than, say, like, a big old shonen action series. Um, I kind of like that. It she has sort of a subtle nuance with the things that might kind of fly over the heads of the average American viewer. Um, that that also being said, with um, when you have assistant ADR directors, um, there is occasionally an issue sort of with maintaining consistency when somebody has to step in to take care, you know take on a couple characters so that you know the main ADR director can do a different show it was um, a different time is when people would walk into an office then they would rotate out of the office and you would have more than one person in the office sometimes and sometimes they wouldn't even wipe their hands it was a weird time oh man I, I can't even imagine that anymore fuck um, yeah no it's uh, weird unfortunately I can yeah, Service industry is a hell of a thing. You have you have nothing but my respect and admiration, Jamal. Mm -hmm. Um. Anyway, as I was saying, um, this show having three, basically three people handling directorial duties, um, it feels pretty consistent, and I didn't notice any particular points in which somebody stepped out so that somebody else could step in. That kind of thing. Um, that is genuinely impressive to me. Um, the scripts themselves are absolutely bust-a-gut hilarious. Um, Andrew already brought up the Bukake line, but, um, 
Oh, man. Um, there was an instance in this show in which Toucan utters the line, that's what she said, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. Um, they throw a lot of references to American culture. Just, I'm assuming to sort of cover for the fact that this is basically um, a joke that would not translate well. It's um, a Japanese office comedy with African animals. It's like, fuck it, you might as well punch in a little USA in there. Who the fuck cares? Oh, here, here's something Andrew referenced in the group chat. Um, another line I really happen to enjoy. Um, let me touch it. Uh, it's basically this big old Roomba <laughs> that goes around the the office to sort of vacuum things. Oh, the bu the a, bug robot Roomba, <laughs> which yeah. was absolutely great. Um, anyway, and you know, Lion being a cat is just enamored by the thing, and he's just like, you know, let me touch it, just a tip. And Lizard's just like, yeah, please don't phrase it like that. I feel I just... so bad for Lizard. Yep. He's doing his best. Sorry, continue your point. Um, also, on that note, because um, script writing is absolutely hilarious. And while I understand that, you know, that's just the first step of the process, a, lo a lot of it is sort of back and forth between the actor and the director as well. Mm. Um, this dub does something that I really like in comedy dubs. Mm. It genuinely feels like each of the actors are in the booth at the same time. Even though that is very obviously, even before the days of the human malware, that was not a thing that was generally done. Except for, like, Walla. And Puyle. Well, yeah, and, and pre-relay, obviously. Because um, typically, dubbing is just the director, an engineer, and the actor in the booth. That's it. One actor goes in, does their lines, comes out. Another one comes in, does their lines, comes out. Um, and Africa Salary Man does a really good job of just sounding like everybody was there at the same time. And it was great. Um... Hilarious, hilarious dub. Casting's great. Um, everything is so punchy and full of kinetic energy. I I love the technical side of this so much. So yeah, thumbs up. Yeah. Right. So yeah, with Jade Saxton, she for me, I always say that she directs shows with a lot of sincerity, but for me, it's. Or she directs a lot of feel, she goes for shows that are a lot of feel-good shows, and then there's some shows she directs that are doctor feel-good shows, if you know what I mean. So when I saw, so when I saw that she was directing Africa Saturday, but I was like, huh? Because I, I know that, uh, well, yeah, I know she's a big animal lover, to say the least, but why I, I, I didn't really expect it to be on this show, to be honest, but when I watched it, I, I pretty much enjoyed it. Hey, I was enjoying it week to week. Every Sunday it came out because every time after work, you know, it was like it was something like she could make it relate to me so easily. Is 
But one thing I really liked what she did with the show is it's usually kind of something that's frowned apart a little in other shows. And I'll explain what, what I mean when we get to a certain section. It was a, kind of an ideal typecast with a couple of characters. Again, I'll explain what I mean later on. But uh, I thought for what well, spot she did very well directed this show and uh, yes and with the writing it does take like s some western sensibilities but at this point like who really gives a fuck if you can make it work make it work because I, I know there have been some points I know there have been some points where <laughs> the, yeah it, do, it definitely like, sounds look, like look I'm not gonna sit here I, pretend I know there what... aren't people who don't give a fuck there's people that give I think there are some fuck I... to give there's definitely those who just Give too there, there much. Is def def there is definitely a fuck to give. I, I, if it sounded like I hated the script, I do not. I actually enjoyed this so much because there were so many references to Western culture and Eastern culture as well because I know there was, what, The Lion King. There was a... Uh, I realized in one episode they, rep they uh, referenced the Farfetch'd from Pokemon. Uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, oh. Yu-Gi-Oh! Okay, like, look... Because there's no real clear place to put this. Like, there are some shows that will make a joke be like, it's not a JoJo's reference, but there's a couple of pretty, uh, pretty niche JoJo ones. The world is kind of an obvious one, but they also threw in the end of part two with cars, and Lizard straight up is doing the dopio, like, cell phone rigging thing. Like, that's literally the dopio thing he's doing is, what? I'm like, okay, that's pretty funny. But yeah, Caitlin manages to make this script very funny without being overbearing or, like, underwhelming. And I <laughs> I know she definitely had to had some fun with her too, Cam, because, uh, like you pointed out with the uh, the vacuum cleaner, which we're not talking about her, but <laughs> god damn, man, the boys was funny. Toucan uh, is basically... Like, I can imagine writing Toucan is basically, imagine the douchiest, most obnoxious, most shallow dudes you've even met at, like, a college frat party, or just a bar, or a nightclub. Just imagine the douchiest or people the you've ever- Or the section of a forum. Oh, God, yeah. Those okay. types. Okay. You know exactly yeah. the types. Mm-hmm. That's neither here nor there, but yeah, Kaylee, Kaylee definitely had definitely had some influence on the script because I noticed at one point she, ironically, got two cats to say BT dubs. I'm like, isn't that a pretty lot of thing? No, that's just that's just a modern slang thing. BT dubs, it's fun. But she, yeah, but yeah, I definitely enjoyed the show and I know there's something she definitely wants people to watch you know it was certainly on my radar for the longest and I'm glad we got to do this episode and it it is the kind of show I can believe why people wouldn't care about or be that interested in or not even get that far in it but it's definitely it is definitely fun when you got like some time to kill and you want to hear some fun performances and reactions or like, this is a show that's kind of cheap, but I think some of the cheapness is very charming. Like, I love, like, sometimes they are CG models, and I love the way the show just fucking breaks them at times for comedic effect. 
It's jank, but it's got spunk. Like, whatever, like, somebody is basically getting really flustered and upset, like, their head basically grows large and becomes a bunch of polygons. Or, like, I think the, the speed dating one where the high school girls see Lizard again, they literally tear him apart, and he's basically getting, like, stretched out. The entire model's getting stretched out. Like, that's really fun. That's goofy. I like that. It's janky. I appreciate some jank. All right. Speaking of which, let's get into our characters then. Yeah, yes. let's do it. Well, we're going to start with some uh, essentially B-roll characters. We're going to start with a couple of high school girls, actually. Uh, Shishimura and Gormi. Now, Shishimura is Lion part of the Lion family, and Grimi is obviously a gorilla. You don't see them much in the main show themselves, but they do have their own segment called Africa High School Ghost that you see at the very end. For the love of God, do not skip past the end credits. No. Well, first off, White Collar Energy is a great song to listen to. Second of all, you'd be missing out of these characters if you skip. That's all I'm going to say. Other than these girls are voiced by Abilie Connors and Monica Rial, respectively. Abilie Connors, you've also heard as Shio Sasuke in Ayo the Scarlet Ammo AA, Misaki in Hakata Tokatsu Ramens, and Miss Joke in My Hero Academia. Monica Rial, you've also heard as Kaede Kaino in Assassination Classroom, Yuko Yoshida, the Demon Girl Next Door, and Suyu Asui in My Hero Academia. So, who wants to go first from here? Um, well, I guess Andrew went first round, so I'll take this one. Okay. Um, these two were an absolute riot. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, like, um, they are, other than the main trio, which we'll get to at the end, um, these two were probably the most that felt like they were organically at the same place at the same time. Um, I... Monica Rial transitions from her her bubbly high school girl voice to big girl Monica back down <laughs> to... Like, her range is almost completely on display here. And it's absolutely amazing. Um, and, of course, the comedic effect to which this plays is just absolutely... Pardon the pun, bananas. <laughs> Dude, question. Do gorillas, <laughs> even, do gorillas even eat bananas? Or is that just <sighs> basically because they're big monkeys and they couldn't think of anything else? Um... Like, they're generally fed a diet of fruit and vegetables, so I would assume, like, like, a... That's a, cla that's a classification that is too messy for me to answer, so... I don't know, I'm just like, okay, whatever. I mean, in zoos, probably? Like, they, they the bugs, technical too. Answer. I don't know. I'm... We, you know what we need? Because it's been a while since I've seen those ads. We need zoo books back. <laughs> uh, 
has zoo books. Don't act Bringing like it you back, Andrew. Bring it back. Don't act like you wouldn't fucking read some zoo books yourself nowadays. It's like I want to know some science facts. Let's get some fucking zoo books in. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, Monica Rial as Garimi is pitch perfect. Um, Amberly Connors is Shishimura. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, she has a lot of sort of aspects to it, to her performance that just, like, it just kind of works. Um, obviously, yeah. she is Lion's daughter, and... Okay. She has to sort of skirt the line between, like, average valley girl, um, comedic effect, big scary lion girl, and then there's a moment in, I believe, episode 11's, um... Africa High School Girls segment where she's just like, please, daddy, will you eat this sushi? Oh, God. I fucking love, I lost it at that part. Ugh, it, it's all over the map in a good way. Um, so overall, I like these two and I'm gonna pass it on. God, okay, I'm glad you brought it up too, just because I was thinking about it. Because basically, Amber for most of the show has just like it's she's basically like the animal lion equivalent of like a gal girl where she's just kind of like a spunky fashionably trendy girl who doesn't really care too much about school but more is about like appearances and cute boys and that's kind of like the level she she plays it and it is really funny and like spunky and it really is i, I love like the ba- I love how she bounces off of Monica Rial as uh, Goremi. It's just really fun. But God, like, when they're trying to make their own sushi and they're just the look of disgust, it's like, oh God, I gotta eat this. (laughs) And then she goes full on, like, Dotaru baby voice. Like, oh, daddy, can you eat this sushi for me? I made it for you. And the fact that she goes so high up there and then back down to like yeah, yeah eat this I'm like oh my god it's, it's so quirky it's just also just yeah no she's a ton of fun she is going to murder somebody she's going to eat somebody I, my money is she's gonna eat the crane kid I mean like that, I mean let's be real they he had it covered every episode okay they don't murder uh, they, yeah. they don't murder him they don't murder him they just maim him Andrew their thirst is lethal okay fair fair it's not dehydration you have to worry about with their thirst oh good god (laughs) (laughs) anyway you done yeah yeah well oh wait no I didn't actually talk about gourmet yet uh Monica, yeah, no, she's she's a fun comedic actress. She plays this more of, like, the high-pitched, like, cutesy girl, which is pretty funny, but also she does lower it down for comedic effect sometimes, and it's just really fun. 
Yeah, no, Garibi's just a very goofy character where it's like, I thought they were gonna go a little weird with the character and the character design. It's like, no, no, she's just a cool girl and she hangs out with, she hangs out, she's a girl in high school, she's doing the best she can. She wants to be fun and trendy and bag a cute guy and possibly rip his fucking tail off. You know, animal things, which there needs to be a bigger conversation about how this world works. Are they just cannibals? Do birds just eat other birds? And Andrew, what, what the is, show what answers is, that question. Yes. Like, there, there was a pig girl, and then there was just an actual pig that she had as her pet. Yeah. Toucan was gonna smash that... Oh god, wait, um... Anyways, this world works weird. It's very strange. It's very uncanny. I very much enjoyed Monica Rial and Amberly Connors. Okay, then. So, go with these two. Yeah, I, like I've said constantly before in other episodes, Amberly Connors usually plays the girl, either the girl next door kind of character or the one that is kind of like yonderish kind of crazy. And she, she was. Kind of both, actually. Mm-hmm. And the way she portrays this dynamic is unique because she also has part of this valuable accent because it's supposed to depict the uh, obviously high school girls. And like, you know. Okay, long story short, these two are trying to, like, I guess they're just trying to be <laughs> succeed in this world like just try to get to the adult world so they kind of come up with a lot of schemes they're basically the key to the care of the show so the yeah Keenan, i can see that you know yeah yeah andrew do you even know who keenan and kel are I do know who Keenan and Kel are. Thank you very okay. much. Okay. I know. I'm a baby, but I know some things. I know some things, okay? I had to make sure. That's good to yeah, so pretty much she, she's the key to this situation because she's the one coming up with a lot of the schemes. And Abba portrayed that cutting very well. <laughs> it, was, it was almost downright scary. Especially that one episode when they dressed up as members of Kiss. For the, yeah. For oh the, God, the, yeah! Uh, I forgot they just the they dressed up. They dressed up in her mom's old clothes, which Kiss is not trendy anymore. I, it's not. It's all about baby metal now. Okay then. <laughs> Which and, for uh, anybody whoever is like baby metal's not fucking metal, how dare you? Just remember Rob Zombie as the uh very protective, angry, proud grandpa. Uh, that that's uh Do you, re do you remember uh, that? I do actually. That was like a thing where it's like somebody was trying to shit talk Rob Zombie being on tour with them. It's like, they're fucking lame and not metal. And he's like, I've done a lot of concerts. They have more passion and metal power than most of the people I regularly perform with. They're good kids. Leave them the fuck alone, you crotchety old fart. And it's like, yeah, yeah, go old, go grandpa. You're good. Uh, 
and uh, we meet the care of this situation. And Mike, <laughs> like you said, Mutsuvage is our full display here because you know she's pretty much either more or less the distraction or uh, the brainless one of the group sometimes. <laughs> I still remember that episode where she distracts the teacher from Shishi after her cell phone goes off and <laughs> that kind of backfired. And then there's the point where the two of them break the fourth wall at the end of the final episode. It's just like... They, and the thing is, they don't even break walls as characters. They break the fourth walls themselves. Yeah, pretty much. I was, I, I was like, okay, I see what you did there, Sean. That was, that was pretty neat, but... Uh, you still did a very good job. So, y'all ready to move on? Yeah, mm, yeah sure. Okay, so the thing about Africa Salary Man is, unlike other typical shows, there's really no overarching plot. Except for what I realized earlier tonight, but uh, we'll get to that with uh, the other set of characters. So every episode is like a 4 Cobra or 6 Cobra, however you want to put it. Uh, it's usually a, small, a handful of characters that our main characters interact with. Uh, starting with the uh, Makale Mbembe. Is which is this animal you see in episode two that uh, the boss man sends our crew to retrieve. We thought he was an animal in the wild. It turns out he's an employee of the company who called in sick one day and decided to escape to the jungle. He, he fellow boys and girls, had what we like to call a mental breakdown. <laughs> yeah, he did. He he didn't want to go back to admin. That sounded kind of sus. I mean, who knew he was an employee among us? Oh God. Ugh. Ugh. I didn't see him then. Actually, you do see him then a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You see him literally dragged out the door, kicking and screaming. Mm -hmm. Dude also just straight up like tore his fucking clothes off. Went. Went full nature. Full nature. He's not much for nurture. No, he is not. And then uh, we also have uh, Wallaby, who is this girl that uh, Toucan chats up in a nightclub one time after he ditches the setup for the flower viewing party by uh, putting a dead body to lethal hamster leaves behind. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, a yeah, whole lot of nonsense this makes. And then we have the meerkat and his assistant, the nurse rabbit. They're both uh, dental employees who <laughs> try to treat big cats toothache after it discovered that he had the, somehow had the lethal hamster notch between a couple of his teeth. And uh, during the course, uh, Let's just say Meerkat gets a few bites taken out of him because he's afraid of the lion. The lion's afraid of the dentist. And uh, it kind of does not end well for Meerkat. No. But playing these four, the uh, Mbembe is played by Sean Gann. Wabi is played by Caitlin Glass. The Meerkat is played by Justin Briner. And the Nurse Rabbit is played by Arthur Yu. Sean Gann, you've also heard this Beagle is... An Astro Lost in Space, and Dark and Radiant. Caitlin Glass, you've heard this Cammy White in Street Fighter 4 and 5, and Wakadana and Nomen. Justin Bider, you've of course heard this Deku in My Hero Academia, and Nico Nambaka. 
And I feel you, you've also heard it's real Dr. Bird in the assassination classroom. And you're watching now being Love Life Sunshine. Hmm. Yeah, so I guess it's uh, everybody else went first. It's my turn then. I will say this. Shagat does not speak much, but when he did, I was surprised that was Shagat, because for one thing, I wasn't expecting that thing to talk, to be honest. No. But hey, uh, a show like that could be... Especially the whole thing with the, with the Kappa at the beginning of the segment. Um, that was Don Bennett, right? No, 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 Tia no, no, no. Ballard. That was Tia, Tia Ballard. Ballard as the Kappa, and that the, the Chupacabra was Alejandro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was so... There are a lot of characters. There's a lot of random characters that show up for like two minutes. It's weird. Uh, it's a yeah. it's a gag. It's a gag show. Yeah, it's a gag show, so, you know, picking some characters are a little more difficult to expect. But yeah, Shaggy did... He did a pretty good job. You know, he... He... He panicked easily. He had some good licking noises. Just, uh, he was just a ton of fun. He, even if that character decided was something I was not expect. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm gonna skip to Meerkat because uh, actually I'm gonna skip to Meerkat and the Rabbit because these two were <laughs> ooh they were kind of they were lots of fun because well not for Meerkat but uh, Justin Bryder. <laughs> He's, always, he's definitely known for being playing those nervous types of characters, you know, the fun ones, the nervous types, ones that kind of pack easily. I mean, Meerkat, I mean, not Meerkat, the light, when the, every time the light bears to him, it's just, you're not supposed to laugh, but you can't help but laugh. I mean, he, he t the Meerkat tastes salty, but that's what happens when you're not careful grinding your meats. And Alphia's the rabbit, just, she's just standing there in the background. Just reacted to this whole situation, but uh, yeah, they did the best with what they were given, even if they weren't given much. Because half the time, Meerkat's paid because the two cat. But the highlight of this section for me is Caitlyn Glass's Wallaby. Because for one thing, it's Caitlyn Glass with an accent. For another thing, it's Caitlyn Glass with an Australian accent, which I've never heard before. <laughs> And it, and it turns out, I think at that point, she had just come back from Oz Comic Con at that point. Where she said was a immersive learning environment. Because so, the thing about with accents is, you know, you can't just like play any old stereotypical accent. You gotta, you gotta have to straddle the line a bit with Australia. Because Australia, you know, you gotta be a little, a little deeper with some of your words. But uh, if you're not careful, you could go from Australia to New Zealand pretty easily. And, uh, so you'll be saying, oh, for awesome, that kind of thing. But uh, I thought Caitlin Glass was very impressive in this role. I really enjoy the way she does accents like that. That's why I picked out Cammy for her because, you know, she manages to she manages to straddle that line very easily. And, uh, who wants to go next on this? Because I know there's not much to say on these four. So. Okay. Um, Mokele Membie. Uh, Sean Scream Good. Uh, Meerkat. Justin Scream Good. Nurse Rabbit. Uh, Afia Scream Good. And Caitlyn Glass. Okay. Hearing Caitlyn as like a trendy Australian uh, 
Oh god, that's so fucking funny. Yeah. It's so strange, but it actually works a lot better. Where it's like, oh my god. Okay, um, uh, hang on. Has anybody watched the show YOLO Crystal Fantasy? Wait, what now? I've been meaning to, but I haven't. It's the new, I... it's the show on Adult Swim by Michael Cusack, who does a lot of, like, Australian-based comedy, like, adult comedy stuff. Oh. Wallaby feels like a character that would exist in, like, his works. Got that very much, like, Australian clubbing girl, but she's, like, a much more toned-down one, and she's not a drunk, or she's not trying to scale a tower, trying to get a selfie, or... I don't know. I'm very much losing the plot. Kaylee Glass, like, she's a very talented actress, but this was a really fun hearing her play this very... Like, Australian, like, party girl. And my favorite part is, like, you think, oh, no, she's kind of falling into, uh, Toucan's shitty pick-me-up charms. And then she just looks at her phone and just fucking berates him. It's like, oh, I get it. Yeah. You're, you're one of those fake fucking guys who thinks money and status is the only thing that'll get a girl to sleep with you. Okay, yeah, no, you're one of those fucking creepazoids. I bet you don't, you don't even have a job. You're just some creepy, lonely guy who's trying to get my attention. And you just watch him melt. I'm like, oh, girl. <laughs> uh, anybody can win my heart over if they just berate the shit out of uh, Toucan. And Caitlyn, Caitlyn does that really good. Oh, boy. <laughs> And it's just, it's just a fun little accent that I really don't ever get to hear Caitlyn pull, and it's fun. Uh, but yeah. Justin screaming bloody murder. Afia's screaming because he's screaming bloody murder. And, uh, Michele Membe deserves a raise. And probably some counseling. So Sean, Sean Gann did a very good job with that. I'm done. Okay. Whoops. Hey, um, so going off of what Andrew just said, um, Sean Gann screamed good, Justin Brainer screamed good, Afia Yu screamed good. Caitlin um, Bright good? <laughs> um, they're, they're all fun, they have fun little moments, but that's, that's basically what I remember. Uh, and they do a good job with it, even though they, they show up for like, five minutes each. Um... Caitlin Glass as Wallaby, however. Um, first and foremost, Caitlin Glass's Australian accent. You know, I could be one of those idiot foreign types to Australia, but it sounded passable. It, it, it actually sounded it actually sounded pretty good to me because I used to watch a lot of Australian TV clips. And that definitely sounded authentic. Plus, like I said, she just came back from the Aussie Comic Con, so... Yeah. I mean, it... Her Australian accent was not off-putting in the slightest. Um, which... When an American actor tries to do an Australian accent, um... You are very precariously close to doing so. Um, almost constantly. Um, so that's a thumbs up right there. Um... Plus, she's also savage as fuck. 
in glass we trust. Um, like Andrew was saying, the whole thing where she um she feigns interest in Toucan up to the point where um he finally has small talk with her, and she's just on her phone bored, and then she just absolutely picks him apart piece by piece. It is the most satisfying fucking five minutes of that show. She's eating yeah. toucan soup by the end of that shit. Oh my god. And, you know, by the end of it, toucan is eating crow. Uh, it is... Ah, uh, it's so fucking beautiful. So fucking beautiful. Um, and I, I love every moment of it. Especially because the whole reason toucan's in the club is because... He pulled a dead body to weekend at Bernie's for him. I completely forgot <laughs> yeah. that's what happened. Yeah, there was just a fucking dead toucan. And he's just like, oh, all right, you can hold my spot. Thanks, bro. I'm like, wow, you just, no regard for you. And then at the end of the episode, toucan has to eat the yeah. fucking toucan's dead body. And then, and then, and then, Lizard almost forces him to eat it. Like Jesus Christ, what, what is this universe? It's a nightmare world. It's a madhouse. So yes, Andrew, uh, to answer your earlier question, cannibalism exists in the world of Africa Salaryman. <laughs> but yep. yeah, all, all four of these one-off performances are great. Um, solid thumbs up. I'm, I'm just gonna let it move on. But yes, Caitlin Glass is fucking savage. Mm. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. She was the highlight of this section. And, uh, speaking of highlights, y'all want to talk about some mascots? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the interesting thing about this universe is uh, <laughs> apparently you should need mas animal mascots for animal teams. I don't know how that works in this universe, but... Uh, they find so a way. A, they find a way. We have some uh, pretty unusual mascots. We have the Melon Bear, a bear from Lion's Past, whose head turns into a, whose head turns into a melon after stealing some uh, local Jubari melons. Hails from a hometown that is under federal supervision, but uh, that's kind of weird. We have uh, the Apple Buddy, who was a uh, friend from Lizard's Past. Uh, <laughs> he, he got plastic surgery and turned himself into an Apple Buddy mascot. Uh, oh, uh, 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 I don't know what and, mascot. Uh, uh, he's he a, I don't know. Summon uh, juice from places. Can, yeah, yeah. The apple butt cake, I think it's called. I mean, wait, not butt cake. Bukake. There we oh. go. Okay. Oh god, it just hit me. You know what Apple Bunny reminds me of? What's the up? whitest the whitest kids you know and the the grapist. Oh, yeah, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. That that groan you gave me, it's like that's exactly what what I'm looking for. It's that same level of, you're trying to be a cute kid's mascot, but there's just something about the way you approach it. And it's like, oh no, this 
This is not gonna part it is marketing. Yeah. Speaking of which, we the Excalibur side eye. Yep. Speaking yep. of rapes and sexual problems, we also have Petsavaro. <laughs> oh God! You want to talk? Uh, <laughs> you want to talk things that need to get canceled? A pimpler penguin from a uh, two cats past who uh, has infidelity problems is okay. Paid alimony to like sex wife. He's like a dude who's complaining about like the fact that like his wife is stealing his hard-earned money. And then it's like, oh yeah, no, she's it's it's because I cheated on her with her sisters and her mom. And it's like at that point, yeah, no, you you deserve all of this this shit that's coming to you, buddy. He's a mascot for a baseball team. He's more fucked up in the head than two cats. Uh, you, you deserve. I don't well, know I guess how this that always was possible, but they found a way. Life get, uh, yep. finds a way. There's always going to be somebody worse. But playing these three, Melon Bear is played by Chris Sabin. Appleboy is played by Kyle Phillips. And Pensabaro is played by Christopher Dartro Piper. Chris Sabin, you've also heard as Yami in Black Clover and All Might in My Hero Academia. Kyle Phillips, you've also heard as Sosuke Sugaya in Assassination Classroom. And Denki Kamenai in My Hero Academia. Christopher Dantro Piper, you've also heard as Olga Swag in Astro Lost in Space, and Biz O'Neill in Copcraft. So who wants to go first on this one? I'll take Helm. Okay. Um, so a fun fact about this segment. Um, at the very least, I can say this about Melon Bear and Pensabaro, but I'm not 100% sure on Apple Bunny at the moment. Um, these are real mascots in Japan. Oh, good God. Like, Melon Bear in particular um, has a very... Has a very particular reputation for scaring children. Um, yeah, yeah. And I love... Th- I feel like I remember that. I feel like I've seen that before, yeah. <laughs> and I absolutely love the to death the fact that um, Chris Sabat was hired to play him. Because um, he has that fun party dude energy to him, but at the same time is absolutely fucking intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is basically his character in a nutshell, and it's it's great. I laugh the whole way through. Um, Kyle Phillips' as Apple Bunny is a total creep. Like, like, he is actually genuinely creepy, and I love it. Um, especially when, um, toward the end of his little segment with Lizard, um, where he just yells out, Bukake! I really, <laughs> really <laughs> hope, hope I missed that. that. <laughs> oh, it's so great. And it's just like, he's happy and peppy, but also depressed. Um... I love it. I love the performance. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, And Christopher Dontrell Piper as Pensabaro. um, Also absolutely hilarious. Um, He is somehow an even bigger scumbag than Toucan. Uh, And that's saying something. Which that bar was already low enough. (laughs) Like, I don't know how he did it. But he somehow slipped himself under that bar, and it was maybe like a millimeter up from the ground. 
I, I don't know. Um, some weird, freaky contortion stuff. I, I wasn't paying attention, but apparently he did it. Um, but yeah, he's, he's just absolutely, um, I feel like other than the, um, infidelity stuff, um, which is absolutely played for laughs, he absolutely has sort of that Yankee personality. Um, sort of a, it's a Japanese term for a, for a punk and it, it's, it's funny. All of it's funny. Um, these three are great. Um, I'm going to move on because they really don't play much of a factor in the show other than like five minute segments that they each get. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, okay. So Kyle Phillips as the Apple buddy. It's like, I definitely, this is kind of, it's weird, but it's like, I can kind of see a dude who having had trouble in school just having this happen to them. It's just like okay, sure. This is this is your lot in life now, I guess. Like just didn't do well in school, got plastic surgery, and now they're a marketable friend for all kids. And oh god, just yeah. No, this is what Great. depression does. This is what depression does to you, kids. It turns you into a class cloud for all to see, so that you get validation from everybody around you, so that people finally pay attention to you, and you get that sweet, sweet craving of attention and validation you deserve, but you secretly feel like you don't deserve. That went in a dark place. <laughs> Imposter yes, syndrome. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. That imposter syndrome yeah. turned this fucking loader of a bunny into a goddamn... I don't even know what you describe this. It's just... Ew. It makes me uncomfortable. He makes me so uncomfortable. Ugh. Kyle's fun, though. Kyle's very fun. Uh, Christopher Sabat. Uh, he's no stranger to this podcast. He's no stranger to the anime industry. He's terrifying. He's goddamn horrifying. I don't want to be anywhere near you, and I don't want to let any children near your mouth. Of course you're a weird, freaky, scary email man, and of course you have a criminal record. But yeah, no, Sabbath's got a nice, fun gruffness and, like, casual, like, yeah, no, this is my life now. I'm fucking broke. He lend me money. And then just Christopher Dontrell Piper is my favorite of the three because he's so cute and cuddly and he's got such a very tough, very... This dude has a shady past. This dude's living his best life. He's doing all he can. He's trying to pay alimony. He's trying to be a friend for all. And you see him kind of be friendly and cute but then he's also just kind of like a bad boy piece of shit that doesn't play by the rules and that's his gimmick and he plays it hard by drinking and smoking and that character has had sex before how does that even work <laughs> um with multiple people including uh, uh, a woman her her sisters and her mother for a second, I was like, wait, at the same time? I'm like, oh, God, that'd be even worse. <laughs> well, he never says it wasn't. Like, oh, God, you're right. Uh... <laughs> Anyways, Dontrell Piper, he's 
I just made this greasy. Oh, God, you made this so greasy. It's... Oh, God, it's reminding me of a podcast where I was hearing about this dude's, like, entire family chain. And the fact that, like, there was some sort of foul play involved, like, on the great-great-great-grandpa side. And it turned out he was trying to play, like, a mother and a daughter against each other by doing both. And it's possible Poison may have been involved to off him at the end. Oh, good God. Can we move off of this? Where am I going with this? this? I don't know. Anyway, That's what I'm wondering! Anyways, what we're saying is... Don't fuck the family. That's just... No. Be faithful to your partners. Never fuck their family. That's just... I'm, I'm, very, I'm a little tired right now, I'm realizing. Uh, Christopher Dontrell Piper. I, I, he's got a great voice. This is He's just really funny and kooky. Yeah, I, I'm done. I, I need to stop talking now. Yes, you do. Thank you. So, uh, I with uh, Chris Sabat. <laughs> yeah, Chris Sabat was definitely loud to shot to use this character, because, you know, the character kind of called for it. The character is terrifying. But if anybody can pull it off, it's definitely Chris Sabat. Even though he sounds a little more like a drill sergeant than an actually terrifying bear, it's still scary nonetheless. Uh, Kyle Phillips is the apple buddy, Jesus Christ, I was not expecting Kyle Phillips, to be honest. When I first saw this show and I heard him, I was like, I really, really hope I misheard that. But no, he does very well, he does very well in this role and very playful too, and I think... I didn't bring this up in the script, but I think this is, other than two I think this is probably one of the other characters Caitlyn had the most fun with, because the apple boy kept making so many goddamn apple puns, it was like, not to mention the whole uh, Bukaki thing, which, <laughs> where, did, where did that fluid even come from? I, I don't do, ask, I do, don't, do not ask, do not ask questions you do not want the answer to. <sighs> I'm gonna need some whiskey after that. Is there a tarp? Anyway, Kyle did very well as the Apple Buddy. Let's move on before this is gets a creepier. Uh, Chris Piper is the penguin. That's Pipple up here. <laughs> I definitely enjoyed this character very much, and uh, <laughs> I remember some of the kind of the obscene gestures he made in the uh, the B segments at the end. Which they kind of had said to the bit the cyberdome, which made it even funnier. I was laughing my ass off. Cause, Jesus Christ, you never expect a penguin to be this bad. Like, but hey, they, the show somehow made it work, found its way to. The show somehow made it work, but. What can I say that hasn't already been said about this character? What can I say that's already been said about these characters? These mascots did a pretty good job. Some of them legit creep me out, but, uh, anyway, y'all ready to move on? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, good. So, we see we're getting a little bit into de deep into the business world. Uh, Let's I mean, get corporate! We're talking what? pay, we're talking no paid overtime. We're talking harassment lawsuits. We're talking all the good stuff. We're talking sensitivity training. I don't actually know what segment we're, we're on. I'm just talking about corporate things. 
Yeah, we're talking about a couple of big cats in the biz, you know. Oh, yeah. oh, we're talking we about have... these Yakuza-looking motherfuckers. Yeah. So we have the tiger and the leopard, who both were the old, the old business. You see them in the last couple episodes. You find out they have a grudge against Lion as they're competing for this uh, cinema cafe project, which was the uh, somehow overarching plot I discovered. But uh, it only spanned four episodes, so it didn't really matter to me. Yeah, you you find out they hold a grudge against Lion because I guess back in the day, sometime it was not specified when that uh, apparently Lion kind of ate the Afaf floods for the event they were saving for that day. Not only that, they said that the company that made it went out of business, to which True Care found out later on. They're still up and running. Remember, kids, don't eat somebody else's food out of the fridge. That's a dick move. Oh, I've seen that happen too many times. God, like, legit, just, just don't take somebody's food. That's just... No... Don't do that. That's just... That's a big no-no. Oh, Only yeah. villains do that. Only villains do that. Don't take somebody... Sh Especially the fly. That's just the good stuff. Don't do that. Don't be like that. Don't be I'm a toucan taking the cake out of the fridge. Oh, trust me. Toucan takes the cake for a lot of things. Mm. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just glad they used the word fly to show that pudding like you normally would hear this. I mean, but play these two, Tiger. It's technically a different thing still. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's just here, it's just here in Florida I know it is flawed, so. But anyway, cool, play these cool. two. Tiger is played by Chris Rager, and Leopard is played by Ray Hurd. Uh, Chris Rager, you've also heard this Gakuro Asano in the Assassination Classroom speaking the Tigers. Galford Maria the Virgin Witch and Cementos in My Hero Academia. Ray Fudd, Ray Fudd, wait. Ray Hurd. Ray Hurd. Ray Hurd, <laughs> you've also heard this Karad in Fire Force. Jason Scatham in How Heavy the Dumbbells He Lift. And Selkie in My Hero Academia. Whoa, 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 wait a second. There is a character in Dumbbells named Jason Skatham. Yes. Yes. Oh my fucking god, I love that show and I need to fucking finish it. Dude, you really do. Like, there's Barnold Schwarzenegger and Jason Shatham. It's, it's... Oh, I knew yeah. about Barnold. You I didn't know about didn't Jason know... Shatham? Uh, I fucking love that show, and I've only seen, like, five or six episodes of it. Legit, in an era where the gym doesn't exist anymore, there's some really good do-it-at-home workouts at the end of each episode. Squats are the real deal, my dude. They're the real deal. I need to do them but again. It's been a while. But whatever you do, but whatever you do, don't do burpees, because fuck burpees. I I I, I think I high school. I think I attempted burpees once before. I'm like Jesus Christ, why did I do this? Anyway, who went last? Who went first last section? Um, uh, I did. Okay, so I guess I'll talk uh, about the kitties. Uh, 
I really like Ray Hurd and Chris Rager. They are very... They are very gruff, talented actors, and I love hearing them uh, do anime again. They, they don't have a big role in this, but I love that they're just basically these really menacing, shady, corporate Yakuza-looking motherfuckers. Like, come on. If these guys had, like, people faces, tell me they wouldn't get their ass kicked by Kazuma Kiryu. You're not wrong. I'm not. That's why I, I think it's funny. But yeah, no, uh, Rager and Ray Hurd, they are really talented actors. They are really... I like hearing them in things. Ray especially, I don't get to hear in as much things as he should. But every time I get to hear him and he gets to show off his acting chops, I really enjoy hearing him in things. He's a ton of fun. And of course, Rager... Like, this is basically a mix of, like, Asano and Mr. Satan. It's kind of like a nice balance between the two, in my mind. And I think it's fun. It's, like, got that cold coldness to it, but it's got that level, like, aggressive, piv, goofy menace to it, too, which I think works. I had fun with them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they did a very good job of portraying these, uh, quote-unquote bad guys, or at least bad-looking guys. Because, you know... <laughs> The fact that they have deep voices, because it's funny, because I, th I don't remember if I said this in Andrew, but I remember saying that uh, I, when I thought I heard Chris Rager, I found out it was Ray Hood, I was like, ah, oh, they sound kind of very similar, and that's kind of proven here, because when I first saw them, I thought I couldn't exactly tell which one was which until I listened closer. They both did a very good job portraying mean-sounding characters, even though you find out, you know, the whole thing between them and Lai is kind of, it seems kind of minute, but to them it's a big deal, you know, to the point even Lai is scared out of his mind, and he's the scariest looking man you see in this show. Hey, uh, oops. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just think they're a precious pair of murder muffins. <laughs> that was... Roots, are you telling me that you would see these things in the wild and you would be the motherfucker who would come hell or high water and be like, I want to see their fucking toe beads. I want to see their oh, toe beads. Oh, fuck Roots, no. you, In a zoo, why, definitely. Why would you just go to Forrest Gump officer? I was not expecting that. I surprise. Roots says... Scarred, coughing blood from his lungs. Basically on the verge of death in the middle of the wild. Getting chewed on my on deathbed. By, on being, your deathbed. Being and it basically, on by predatory cats. Yep. My final words are, thinking about those beans. They were so, you're like, I'm gonna die. I got to touch the toe beans. As you get your fucking throat ripped out. <laughs> Anyway, on a serious note, they're fucking intimidating. I, I I love how absolutely scary they are in the end of episode 11 through episode 12. And then all of a sudden, um, the second they they first and foremost lose a contract um, over, like, hilariously stupid reasons. Um, and then as they're talking outside of the, uh, of the corporate building where they've been giving their proposal... Um, when Toucan reveals that, oh yeah, the company that makes their flan, um, it actually went back into business very recently. Um, 
suddenly they do kind of turn into a precious pair of murder mittens. <laughs> they like their good it's great. sweets. They're just good sweet boys who want their flan. And yeah, Chris Rager and Ray Hurd are absolutely pitch perfect here. Um, first of all, doing the big, scary, intimidating voices while they're smoking cigars and drinking whiskey. And then at the end of the show, they're just like... They're all buddy-buddy. Like, they're, they're in the if-it-fits-I-sits mode with the, with the refrigerator box. You know those pictures of the zoo. God, you know them. God, we don't have to pull them up. This needed the show needed a fucking sight gag of just him just sitting in a of just the lion sitting in a box. That would have been so good. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me but why. Yeah, um, just, just make it happen. <coughs> we don't need to ask why. They, in and of itself, cats sitting in boxes is the reason. It's a. It's a. It's a. Yeah. They're just a bunch of good boys, and I, I I love the performance, so I'm done. Alright, so, uh, I'd say we're good to move on to, uh, something softer, but, uh... Oh, these fuckers. Oh, God, But these. I think at this point, I think at this point, we might as well be just flipping the birds, you know? Ah. Oh, these fine feathered fuckers. Ah. <laughs> Uh Yeah. Alright, I'm gonna cook these fuckers. Yeah. I'm gonna cook these fuckers. <laughs> I will consume their flesh and it will be delicious. Um, Andrew, no, no, one of them's endangered, you'll go to jail. Worth it. <laughs> Actually the other one might be too. Yeah, so uh, we have uh Day Day, who's uh apparently a duck from uh well, I, I wish I could actually say the actual word, but uh, he's a duck from uh, Two Cats Pass that, is a to that they meet up in, uh, in Hawaii. Hawaii. All right, let me Hawaii. 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 Yeah, they, they actually tried buh, pronouncing buh, it. Buh, buh, buh. Yeah, that kind of bugged me a little. But he he becomes a tour guide. He only became a tour guide just to murder the day before. <laughs> to murder Two Cat because... It turns out in the past, uh, Toucan intentionally let slip to the to this girl he likes that uh, she that he liked her. She was not having it really. So turns out Toucan was always a shitty person. Oh yes, even when he was a kid. Kid, they probably are just as bad, if not worse, as a kid. Like he straight up like tried attacking the turtle as a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more on that later. And then we have uh, Crane, who despite showing up in the, the next episode after, he doesn't talk much because he's kind of a ninja and prefers to stay silent, practices all these neat tricks and stuff. And uh, when he does talk, you do find out that he aspires to become a YouTuber. Ironically enough, Crane might be the one I relate to the most of the show as a kind of quiet guy who live who like lives with his parents who would go into the office by day i would kind of like keep my head down and do my work for the most part and then i would go home and by night 
I'm a I'm a anime podcaster. So I actually relate a lot to the crane. Yeah, a lot. Just not 100%. Because I'm not posting pictures of my co-workers, nor am I actually pulling in ad revenue. Like, he got good money from that. Nor are you trying to make bobs either. Yeah, I'm also not trying to make a fucking bomb. That's also true. That's also... Oh, Oh, yeah, that... That that happened in one episode, View. He actually made the bomb and the lethal hamster took it, blew up he blew up the barbecue. Yeah, the hamster what just the? tried murdering people. Over a grilled mango. He just wanted he just wanted a little, he wanted some fruit, man. Give him some fruit. Give it give it give him some fruit and he'll cut you li- like he'll 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 still stab you, but lightly this time. He'll cut you, but not loose. I'll cut you loose from this mortal flesh. That's for fucking sure. Okay, before this gets even darker, Nene is played by Rico Fajardo. And Crane is played by Steven Fu. Rico Fajardo, you fall to his eternal hoeing bait assassination classroom. Kareem Fulham in Fire Force. And Mario Togata in My Hero Academia. Steven Fu, you fall to her this Naruto Machio and how heavy the dumbbells you left Macho Man. Seiji Shishikura in My Hero Academia, and Hachikida in Wobihachi. So I think since Andrew went last on this, first on the last section, I might as well go. I I hate using this word, but... They cray cray. Yeah. More they they than crayed. More they they than crayed. Because, for one thing... He get, he's getting his vengeance over something as petty as what happened in elementary school. To which, yeah, that really sucks. But holy shit, you drive a man to the brink, to the brink, he will fight back. And fight back, Toucan did. With the explosive in the treasure room full of gold. At that point, you might as well but- just take the money and run and like... If you were gonna do it quick, you might as well, you might as well done other things. I don't know. Yeah, but I like the fact that Rico had to play two sides to this character, like the really dumb dude bro kind of character. <laughs> Which, let's be honest, his veil was kind of given away as soon as they got to the statue. Oh, I mean, kind of. Yeah, the, okay, yeah, at that point, of. it was still kind of hidden, but I just thought it was really funny where he knew nothing, but he knew yeah. all about this one thing because that was part of his master plan. Yeah, then the master plan came and he flipped that switch very easily. And my God, it was, it was a little bit terrifying, to be honest, but it worked. It definitely worked. And Stephen threw his cray. Uh, again, Cray didn't talk much uh, up until the uh, YouTube moments, which I'm actually surprised they used YouTube and not A-Tube as it was labeled in the show, but, you know. Sometimes you can get away with using the correct ones, like they use <laughs> Fakebook for this, but YouTube is like, ah, they weren't getting in trouble for that. We can't say Lion King, but we can say YouTube. Bunch of prints. But, uh... I thought Stephen Fu did very well for what the character was given, and even if the character is definitely kind of shitty, you know, he made it work, like, he made it seem like 
he could get away with almost anything without a care in the world. I guess that's why he's a ninja, because he could disappear easily. I mean, it also helps that he doesn't talk in the office, which he, doesn't No, he does him. not. No. Well, he talks, but with, like, the little wooden plastic, right, with right. little wooden board, so. Like, he communicates, but he doesn't speak. Which, like, I wish he did when he was getting chased by Lion's daughter, because that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> anyway, I'm done. That's all the thoughts I have for them, so. Okay. Um, I, I guess I'll take it up next. Um, like Jamal was saying, I I absolutely love Rico Fajardo as Nene. Um, he gave it such a perfect beach bum vibe. Um, which, of course, is all obfuscating the fact that he is actually this conniving little bastard. Um... And to, I don't even know how he figured out that Toucan was going to Hawaii for a vacation. I'm sorry, not a vacation, a corporate retreat. Because uh, that's how it has to be justified. Stalking? Ah, uh, yeah. Eh, he could have done it that way. Maybe, maybe fake, maybe, maybe, maybe fake book or something. Oh, let's, like. let's face it. Let's face it. Toucan is the type of asshole that would post a bunch of shit on fucking Facebook. No, he would be bright. He was, he was talking about how he was vacation mode for a week. He probably would have been like 17 days, nine hours and 45 minutes until Hawaii. And then would count out like every three hours or something. And that would be his tweets or something. It's like, ah, oh, you've. You're a fucking uh -huh. You know, I I do have to wonder why they use, like, a fake Facebook for this and not, like, a fake Twitter, which has a mascot of a bird. Because nobody wants to deal with the Zuck. Nobody wants to deal with the Zuck. Because that would suck, Erberg. <laughs> Andrew, go to the corner. That was a good one, and you know it. You're just afraid to say it. Andrew. Buddy. Corner. <sighs> Fine. <laughs> the ABC's of Dub Talk Podcast. Andrew. Buddy. Corner. <laughs> there we go. Uh, but all seriousness, when the switch flips with Nene and he's he's in the trophy room... Um, you know, I thought for a second there, and Nene would, second he had Toucan handcuffed to the bar, uh, in order to trap him there for an eternity, I thought he would turn around, you know, maybe offer Toucan smoking a pancake, Chicago and a waffle, bong and a blintz. And Ludacris just popped back in my head, thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, it's a good oh, song, but... Oh, God. The bad Austin Powers movie. I had to make that reference, though, because that was in my head that entire episode. Um, but, yeah. Um, Rico Fajardo is absolutely hilarious as Nene. Um, Stephen Fu as Crane. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because um, up until, like, episode 10... Because I think he shows up like episode 7 
from seven to ten, um, he's yeah. just absolutely silent, um, speaking through wooden boards with Japanese written on them. Because uh, he's an intern from Japan. No, not an intern. Um, he's just from Japan, because this is not Japan. This is actually in Africa. Where is this? Where is um, this show? Is it anywhere? Is it nowhere? Yes. Yes to everything. Is this um, show all yeah, in Toucan's he, head because he's dead? He's canonically been murdered. And he had an episode ending I theme. would say it's probably more likely in Honey Badger's head. But we'll get to that. Yes, we will. Um, uh, Stephen Fu is absolutely pitch perfect as this little little trolling shit. Um, mm -hmm. Sets up his own YouTube to basically shit talk his co-workers. Um, and basically kind of almost gets comeuppance. Kind of? Like, it's great and it's hilarious and Stephen Food does a great job with it. So, I loved them both. I'm gonna pass this on. Alright. Okay, so, I'll start with Crane on this first, because he's mostly pretty quiet and doesn't have too much of a presence, though he's definitely got some fun sight gags and, of course, when he's in YouTuber mode, you can kind of tell he's being this whole cocky young teenage kid that's trying to do his best at his first early job. He's trying to make it big, trying to have some... He's like, oh god, I fucked up. Oh wait, no, I made money on it? Okay, it's fine, lol. I feel like he's the kind of character, if he talked a lot more, he would probably be a little more obnoxious, but because he's kind of got the Roadrunner-esque signs, he's kind of more charming because of it. But Steven's got yeah. this very nice, like, chill, like, young, young, peppy-sounding voice when he's a YouTuber, and he's fun. Rico steals the fucking show as Nene. Because he's just so... Oh, yeah. He's just so broed out, dude out, like, oh, dude, hey, yo, just take it back, hang that, hang tight, chill, no, nah, man, it's all water under the bridge. Like the time you embarrassed me as a fucking child and you ruined my entire life and you made my days a miserable hell. I remember that. I remember it all. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Water under the bridge. Yeah, whatevs. Like the switch from being this chilled back. Hey, whatever. It's cool, dude. Let's commit some crimes. I don't even care. To like master schemer. Let's knock up. <clears throat> Let's knock up a palace. Shaka bra. Yeah. And, and just when he goes into full on psycho like murder mode, you hear like the gears turning. It's so good. It's so good. Rico's <clears throat> so fucking. He's so funny. He's so intimidating. It's so good. Also, Baby Nene was played by Danny Chambers, by the way. I thought that was that was fun. Yeah. But yeah, no, yeah. Uh, Rico. Oh, God, Rico's like, he's in an episode. He steals the show. And he's already endearing to me because he tried to murder Toucan. So, you know, good dude. Did the best he it could. It helps. You know, attempting to murder yeah. Toucan, it, it helps endear you to the character. It's for the betterment of society. It's not about Toucan. Yep. It's about the idea of Toucan. Anyways, anybody else who wants yeah. to murder Toucan in this cast? 
Yeah, so I'm gonna move on from here. So pretty much with these two duck ninjas, Rico and Steven did a pretty good job, but now we're going deeper into the jungle. The corporate jungle that is and uh we oh honey. Oh my god. We start with a, with a pair of uh, unique characters. We have the honey badger and his compat is uh, subordinate the honey guy. Now the honey badger He's kind of, he is a, let's just say, he's a moron. Oh god, these two are obnoxious. They're obnoxious, the honey badger is a moron who is willing to prove himself in any competition, <laughs> whether there is no competition, it makes himself out to be an ass, and uh, it's extremely resilient, because he tends to, my gag is he tends to die every episode. Not to mention... Uh, you know, I'll I'll let you describe Honey Guide before I make my joke. Yeah, and Honey Guide's an obnoxious prankster who <laughs> seems to wants to who prides himself on getting the better of people. Like when we're introduced to him, he's a you he's he keeps saying he graduates from National University and uh, he's not really too smart about his business. He shits on two cats too, and vomits too. Uh, he. Pranks his office mates. He is reviled throughout the company. And, uh, like, what is it you were going to say, Roots? Like, he and Honey Badger are pretty much a walking, talking trip to human resources. Yep. Yep. Like, they are the embodiment of the walk of shame. <sighs> Except for them, they kind of have no uh, shame. See, so, uh, Honey Badger, maybe. Honey Guy is like... You know what Honey Guy is? Honey Guy is the guy that's still mad about Captain Marvel on the internet. Yeah. Oh, I, I hate that fucker already. Like, you see it, don't you? He's can canonically the guy that, like, talks shit about women at his office. He would totally call somebody a. Th he would totally call somebody a simp in his like office chat room. He would. And would you're not. You're honestly not sure if he honestly believes this stuff because he's just in it to create the discourse. He would. He would probably call somebody a fucking normie. Unironically, he would call somebody a cuck. Uh, he probably will refer to somebody as a social justice warrior. Uh, he's that guy, in case I'm, I'm creating this narrative. Like, perhaps I'm being far-fetched, but I really don't think I am. Also, you just don't do that to a guy's suit, man. You don't. The one time, don't. the one time in the show where Toucan was in the right. That's hard to do. Yeah. To put him in the right and make it satisfying that he got to punch a dude. Oh, yeah. Anyways, who plays these? Oh, Honey Badger is played by Jeremy Edmund. And Honey Guide is played by Anthony Bowling. Jeremy Edmund, you've also heard this. X and BDX. Akitaru Obi in Fire Force. And Magda in My Hero Academia. Anthony Bowling, you've also heard this. Alcia in The Death Force a Part-Timer. Oito in Is This a Zombie? Kratostasis in My Hero Academia. And because it's October... He's also the voice of the mascot, Ted Spooky. 
Oh god. Okay, that's not a, see see that's not an anime character. That's an icon for our. I generation. just watched that's an list I, that. Hang on, hang on. You didn't. You didn't let me fucking finish. <laughs> He's not an anime character. He's an icon for our generation. That's better, but at the same time, Ted Spooky is absolutely fucking anime because you know what? Puppets are anime. I don't make the fucking rules. Yeah. All right. Okay. This, this is about this is about the this is about the Taiwanese puppets, isn't it? Is it Taiwanese or is it yes? Yes, Taiwanese. Okay. I was I was just double checking. It's it's about uh oh my god, Thunderbolt Fantasy. It's about Thunderbolt Fantasy. Yes. Yep. So, yep. So when's the crossover? Where when's he gonna get his big break and show up in the new Thunderbolt Fantasy? Don't act like you. Don't act like you don't want that. Don't tempt me with things I will never have. Don't threaten. You, don't you threaten. Know don't threaten me with a good time. Says Roots of Justice. But you know what things you can have a nice discussion about this. So who wants to go first? I um, would hate to work with these people. Outright, I would hate to work with these people. I genuinely cannot be a mate. I'm. How do they still have a job? Like, Honey Badger, you can maybe argue. How the fuck does this shit bird have a job? He tried murdering. The show answers that, Andrew. He tried murdering somebody with a bomb. He shit on the floor. He shit on somebody's suit. He wrote on everything. He rides around in a little baby tricycle and complains on the internet like you don't bring anything to this company. You're just an asshole. But Anthony Bowling is a delightful asshole. He's got this nice like little squeaky like little bitch voice that he gives for this character and it works so well. He makes him such a little jackass. He makes him so like detestable like oh I want to I want to freaking punch you bird you stupid smug face and he does a great job making him very like sickly detestable like ooh I want to stop on you uh Anthony does a great job making him, him terrible it's delightful uh Jeremy Inman is just amazing at making the honey badger this very angry feral stupid meathead motherfucker that gets crushed and trampled and murdered you think that company pays for health insurance? It probably does, otherwise he would not still have a job. Or a line of credit. Or in anything. I don't I'm know how he's still of... alive. Well, it's a line of something, I'll tell you that. Anyway, you done? Uh, yeah, I'm done. But yeah, no, Jer Jeremy is Jeremy's a lot of fun, and you can tell he's screaming and having a good time playing off of Anthony Bowling and having a fun little, like, friendly, hateful camaraderie. I don't know. It's... It, it, either way, Anthony and Jeremy were a ton of fun. I did Woots? Yeah. Um, first of all, I'd like to say that um, Jeremy Inman and Anthony Bowling, um, they make a really great pair. Um, when they are playing characters that have to play off of each other. Um, I have to say. Now, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, 
back when, you know, back a little while ago, um, wasn't Anthony Bowling sort of assisting Jeremy Inman with directing dubs for a while? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Like, I I know that's sort of a an odd aside, but um, I do feel like they really work well together, is what I'm trying to get at. Um, Jeremy Inman is just this big hulking brute here, and it's, um, I feel like it might be a little tight cast, but at the same time, um, he does it so well that it's just absolutely fun to listen to. Um, and just Anthony Bowling getting to be an absolute little shit who gets to ride on a tricycle. Like, he actually rides his tricycle around the office. <laughs> yeah. And it's great. Um, and just, like, putting everybody in the office down and just getting beat up over it. It's, it's just great. Um, before I pass this off, my one, the one scene that I'd like to bring up for them as, like, the epitome of their, of their character is, um, the mixer. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, where a bunch of men from the office go to this, um, go to this mixer. Uh, oh no, it was speed dating. Speed dating. Yeah, that it was, was speed thing. dating. Same um, thing at this point. But the women were starting to put them, put each of them down one by one. Yeah. Um. So they. Um, and this is visually interpreted with like arrows striking them through the heart, with like the the insults that were hurled at them written on them. Um. So as. The one meant for Honey Badger flies towards him, which is, um, poorly educated. <laughs> uh, he says, hold it. He calls up Honey Guy, like, hey, come to the speed dating thing. He pops in on his tricycle, and he's just like, did somebody say speed dating? <laughs> and then Honey Badger throws, grabs the arrow and throws it at him, and he just flies out the door, and it's just... Perfect. Hey, la um, and yeah, hey I'm, ladies, I'm all set. you want to take a ride on my handlebars? I'll even take <laughs> off my training wheels. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, oh, you done? fun here. Yeah, I'm all set. Yeah. Okay, so uh, it's kind of ironic <laughs> you said that the two work together, that it might be a typecast, because I think. And this is go. This goes back to what I said about Jade's casting, like kind of an ideal typecast. Because for context, I follow these two on Twitter. They kind of have an unusual working dynamic. They, which they I think bust Jade each other's balls. Up for it's, fun. it's playful antagonism. Exactly. Yes. The best thing you could have in a workplace relationship. Actually, probably not the best. It's only good if you're actually like each other. If you're not. If you really don't yeah, like each like other, it doesn't if, work. Like, but yeah. if you're friends and busting each other's chops, that's that's cool. That's we, fine. We call that we workplace sunderism. Uh, 
okay. Well, yeah, he's just being Jeremy Edmund. He does very well with uh, Honey Badger. <laughs> it's, ama it's amazing how out of the box he can be because there was, there was, when we first introduced him, there was like some kind of like lang some language with him. It was like, he just wagging his tongue, scrabbling his words. And I just, my only drawback with uh, that type of character is I just wish it kind of pushed the envelope a little more. I thought I said, hey, you know how give a you-know-what. I'm like, are you serious? I guess that will probably be more on the Japanese side, but, uh, yeah, Honey Badger was, <laughs> that was a fun for, because as Honey got to say, he's an idiot, so he was able to manipulate him kind of easily, even though Honey Badger kind of docked his pay, like, at the end of the la second to last episode we see a big Twitch. Honey got Jesus Christ, even even if you are a prankster, even if you are a guy and down on your luck, you still shouldn't be doing shitty stuff like that, because when you're taking orders from a new, played by Chris Guerrero, hello, Newman. It's just, it's just, it's just so, I don't know why it's so goddamn funny, but uh, it, it, it seems to work. All the mishaps he's been in for Gabbling away his paycheck to uh, planting a bomb in his office, which he got so distracted by the honey that the bomb ended up by listening. You know, his tail just came off again after all that. Twitch, 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 twitch. And then, uh, and yeah, there was this moment, the moment, like you said, which with the speed dating, because it was like, Jesus Christ, because I'm not one for black comedy, to be honest, but what. I really kind of enjoyed the mishaps these two were getting into. Like I said, they're just busting each other's balls. In this case, it's figuratively, and in a Honey Badger's case, it's kind of literally because Jesus Christ, there's so much testosterone he's having. Like seriously, the, the whole gag with Honey Badger is that he dies, but then he comes back in the next section, the next episode. What is up? You know what? I'd rather not know the answer to that. I think these two did a very good job. And as we go on down further to the jungle, we get essentially the higher-ups. Uh, we have the President Turtle, we have the Lethal Hamster, and we have a Karako. Or Karako. I had to Google this. I don't know how to say Caracal, it. Caracal, I think. Caracal, that's it. Thank you. He's a big cat, but this uh, one would probably willingly show you his toe beads, as long as you ask in a consensual manner, to the point that you ask in a way okay. that doesn't get reported to HR. And it's kind of funny, because when, when you see him at the beginning, when you see him in a flashback, you find out that, like, you know, he's kind of, like, up the kind of, like, upright, carries himself and everything. He's going to an interview. He just graduated college, and then all of a sudden he gets beat out by a few little kids outside, and gets hired by a President Turtle. To which, after a while, he just becomes kind of lax when it comes to HR, Un unless it's about the dress code. But even then, it's like you know he's just doing his work because he realizes his boss is a competent buffoon. To which President Turtle is, as the show describes, is the scourge of a company. Well, won't hesitate to cut your paycheck. Won't hesitate to cut your expenses either, but 
he demands you do something on unpaid overtime. You can't see it, but I'm flipping the bird at him. Mm. <laughs> to the point, he gets threatened, threatened constantly to be turned into turtle soup, to which I I really don't understand Japan's obsession with turtle soup. But hey, when it comes to the president, I mean that's not even a Japanese thing. That's a that's a shredder thing too. That's something completely different. Come on, no, like Andrew. that's the whole thing with Super Shredder, where he's just like, "Tonight I dine on turtle soup." Like that's the whole thing he does. And speaking of dining on your flesh, we have the lethal hamster who doesn't really speak much other day. It's <laughs> other day is. <laughs> <laughs> you okay, Andrew? <laughs> I'm sorry. Just, just a weird segue. Speaking of dining on flesh, the hamster like god out of context this <laughs> sounds fucking insane oh, okay please continue yes uh speaks we all know what his actual purpose in life is just speaks and squeaks and is willing to murder anything and everything carries a pair of knives on his head by his sides and at some point matches to get a speaking voice dirty uh dirty uh, what the fuck was it not trading day uh Fuck! What the fuck was it? Sports yeah. day? Sports day, thank you. See, pe see people, I can't words good tonight. Look, we, look, it's been a long forever. We doing the best we can, you guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we do the best we can, just like our main characters try to do the best they can with these people. But playing the... President Turtle is played by Ben Phillips. The Lethal Hamster is played by our ADR director, Jade Saxton. And Kirko is played... No, Kuroko is played by J. Michael Tatum. I, I, don't, I don't know if I butchered that, but fuck it. Uh, ben Phillips, you've also... Big HR cat boy. That's what he is. Big HR pain in the ass. Ben Phillips, you've also heard is Shiraishi in Golden Cowboy. Girard in My Hero Academia, and Yasuhito Inaba in Tsukigaki Ray. Jade Saxon, you've also heard as Carla in Fairy Tale, Chika Takumi in Love Life Sunshine, and Itsuka Kendo in My Hero Academia. J. Michael Tatum, you've also heard as Kroc. Not Kroc, what the f. As Erwin Smith in Attack on Titan, in, uh, as Tenya Ida in My Hero Academia, and Shu Tsukiyama in Tokyo Ghoul. So, uh, Roots, I think you should go first on this one, so. Sure. Um, how are you doing, you corporate drones? Um, Ben Phillips was absolutely hilarious. Absolutely hilarious in the, um, oh god, what is the name of the guy I'm thinking of? Um, uh, like... Hyoto from Mr. Tonegawa kind of just tone-deaf old man boss. Except not really particularly malicious. Um, but he's just hilariously out of touch with the kid with the youth. Um, I particularly like the um the scene where he's getting ganged up on by a bunch of kids and uh comes swoops in to help him out and ends up getting a job for it 
uh, back in the flashback, and one of the kids ending up being Toucan was great. Yeah. Uh, not really much to say about him as a character. Um, he just sort of shows up, gives the, uh, gives our trio their assignments, threatens to fire them or dock their pay, um, walks away. Like, that is basically his character in a nutshell. Um, still very funny, though. Oh, yeah. Um. Not much to say about Jade Saxon as Lethal Hamster, other than that the squeaking is is actually kind of funny. Um, I think she does actually get to say some stuff as the Lethal Hamster um, for a um, end of episode sequence. I think that's the only time she gets to speak. Uh, no, oh, only the Sports Day episode. Because oh, right, I know you mean, right. yeah. The lethal hamster is the narrator for the for Sports Day. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that was also great. Um, unfortunately, not really too too much to say other than you know, Jade Saxon does a great like hamster squeak voice. Um, so I guess the big standout here is uh, J. Michael Tatum's uh, Caracal. And, uh, he's great. He's the sort of, oh, how do I describe it? Um, oh, wow. Um, I am drawing a blank here. I know what I, I know what I want to describe, but I just can't find the words to it. Um, just sort Sound of this it out. false energy to him. Like, oh, like he kind of wants to be there, but doesn't want to be there. But it's sort of his job to sort of be there and sort of be energetic about being there. I think you mean he's I think I think you mean he's kissing up a kissing keeping up appearances. There we go. Okay, yeah, he's definitely keeping up appearances. He's doing his best to be a model employee, but. He's doing his best to be a model employee, but he's like, he's like one bad day away from just McFucking losing it. I wouldn't quite go that far, but it, it does feel like he's sort of imposter syndroming his way through life. And I can respect that. Oh, shit. Um, the, the day he tastes blood, there's no going back. Yeah, probably. Uh, you know, like Honey Badger and Honey Guide, um, his defining moment for me is the uh, the mixer. Yep. Where you actually do get to sort of see aspects of his personality start to shine. I like it. It's good. Um, and I'm going to pass it on because I'm actually kind of having trouble finding the words. It's a little late. Understood. I guess I'll go next because uh, I'm actually gonna start with Tatum because with Tatum, like 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 we've pointed out, he's he's, he's kind of keeping up appearances with as this character because that was a, that was a hell kind of shift. Like, you, one minute y'all like gung ho, like you keeping yourself proper, then like twenty years later you're just like 
kind of chill back and relax. You only do what you need to because either you don't want to be there or you just want to, like, push somebody over. Because he does mess with Lizard a lot. I think in that same episode, he drags Lizard to a mix by, uh, intentionally wording his threat to relocate him to Alaska, that kind of thing. Yeah. But, yeah, but, yeah, I thought... I mean, it's, it's, even though it's a different Tatum, it's still kind of Tatum nonetheless. I thought he did pretty good. Uh, Jade Saxton is the hamster. Oh, I always thought Jade was a cat person, but, you know, Lethal Hamster was a lot of fun. And uh, especially the moment where she did talk in the Sports Day episode. I really hope that was a filter, because if that was an actual voice, I wonder if, like, Helium was involved. Because, my God, I never heard it go that high a pitch before. I... I've heard high, believe it or not. But she did very well with uh, what this character has to work with, especially when the character's kind of being annoyed. Because remember that uh, the fake old game show that Two Cat's hosting about business etiquette, which yeah, Two Cat, Two Cat of all things, talking about business etiquette. Some of it kind of sounded bullshit, to be honest. And Lethal Hampshire's just pounding that bunch, just squeaking, squeaking, squeaking. It's like. Yeah, if you didn't get a migraine after that, I salute you. And Ben Phillips is a turtle. I guess it's like as Steph said, if you play a character strong enough that you want to put them into the sun, you're done good. Because as much as I like turtles, I want to put this one into the sun. That would probably get me fired, but hey, he is a pain in the ass, like. Uh, what was it? Episode two, when the when two cat asked, "Yeah, we're still getting paid expenses for this, right? What to go? What to go and hunting for a shark head?" And Turtle says, "Yes, you'll be get a uh, one hundred gift for transportation, three hundred gift for food." I'm like, "You cheapskate, motherfucker!" <laughs> but Ben did very, but Ben did very well playing this, playing this character, especially. An old sounding character too, because I can't recall a lot of old characters he's ever played. But uh, you done good, Ben. You done good, everybody. Uh, I'm done. So uh, so going into it, I'll I'll start with uh, Tatum as well, because Tatum does a pretty good job. He's a very he's a very friendly face that's kind of obnoxious, but he's doing the best he can. Tatum's got this very nice guy voice, very casual, very friendly. But you can tell he's the kind of guy not everybody really wants to see or wants to hang out with. But that's just the nature of the beast. He's doing the best he can. He's got a stiff upper lip. He's keeping up appearances. If somebody crosses him someday, he's probably going to snap like a fucking twig. You know, that's just office corporate life. You know, same old, same old. Okay, sarah, sarah, and all that jack. The murder hamster, Jay just has some really amazing squeaks. Just really amazing loud murder squeaks. Aggressive murder squeaks of bloodthirsty violence. That's Jade Saxon. She did a very good job. I'll actually go on a limb and say Ben Phillips as uh, President Turtle. Outside of the main three, he's probably my favorite of the cast. There's just something fun about the way he uses his old man turtle voice. 
I think it's just the fact that he plays him not as just like an old guy, but as a smug bastard too. It's like, he's old, he's made it big, he doesn't care, he's not going slow, he's going at his own leisurely pace. That's the way he lives his life. And just, just something in that tone like, oh, hello my corporate drones, like... There's, like, a very <laughs> casual Mr. Burns, like, way he delivers these lines. Like, oh not with God. a level... It's not with a level of, like, detest or a level of, like, disgust. It's just... He knows he's better than them and he doesn't care. And he's proud of it. And just the way Ben just gives him this very raspy, like... Oh, yes, how are you doing? Oh, I'm having a great day because I'm rich and I made it and I'm successful and you're all my corporate drones and I love you because you make me more money. Y'all, you're great. Like, he sounds, here's what it is. He talks like your friendly grandpa, but the things he says it's just the big old capitalist scumbag that he knows he is. And he's just... Every line for Ben Phillips is just so fun. And he's having a great time. Like, he's genuinely... His voice is so distinct to me. It's one of the ones that really stood out to me. It's like, I... Oh, Ben sounds very different and he's having a ton of fun. And I enjoyed his President Turtle immensely. I had a good time. You done good. 10 out of 10 would willingly be a corporate drone for you. And speaking of corporate drones, are we ready to move on? Oh yes. boy, let's talk about this merry gang. Yes, we got the big three, our main characters of the show, because there is no way we do, we would talk about them individually. They are all together. Yes, they're a collective unit. In this corporate jungle, we have the lion, the lizard, and the toucan. The lion is uh, supposed to be king of the jungle. Is the other two guys' supervisor? Uh, on the outside, he looks scary, but on the big side, on the on the big side, on the inside, he's just this big old fluffy cat, you know. Who he's a big old murder minutes, you know. Oh my god, he's a big old murder minutes who cares for his employees. And uh, well, that's where I can say my lion, uh, lizard. It's just you basically, you're basically buying your every man. He's the kind of guy you usually see that's hardworking, diligent, keeps to himself. He does end up in some unfortunate situations with a certain toucan looking over his shoulder. And then there's this asshole. <laughs> toucan, a former heir to the Fruit Loops fortune, is a pain in their co-worker's ass, uh, Obnoxious, pushy, overbearing. Jesus Christ. We talked about infidelity earlier. This man is... He's kind of a slut, to be honest, because... He, he looks... Okay. You've worked with a toucan before. You've met a toucan before. You've gone to school with him. You've served him at your... At your, uh... Seven fifty an hour paying job. You've the world is full of people like Toucan, and because he is so relatable, and you've met somebody, you've met at least one person in your life who's like Toucan, 
every time Toucan does anything, you feel your skin crawl. Yeah, to the point I've actually called every asshole co-worker I've ever worked with a Toucan. And not, not only that, this man sleeps around, like, he even says to himself, every day he wakes up with a new girlfriend, to which, we're not talking about her, but Matthew Rodak is such a fox in this show, but, uh, but yeah. Was that a pun? Was that a pun? That was a pun, wasn't it, you bastard? <sighs> I'm not even upset. I'm just, I'm just mad that I didn't come up with it first. Russell, Russell, wiggle, wiggle. But yeah, Toucan's a fucking asshole. I'm not really one for asshole characters, but my god, if you want a character you hate or love to hate, he's your man. But let's get into who plays these people. Why, why don't we? Yes. Lion. Please. Lion is played by Chris George. Lizard is played by Ian Sinclair. And Toucan is played by Larry Bradley. Chris George, you've heard this. Bardo Schwarzenegger and how heavy the dumbbells you lift. Tetsuo Takahashi in interviews with Monster Girls. Rikido Sato in My Hero Academia. Wabiyaji in the... Almost said My Hero. Wabiyaji in Robohachi. And Max in SSSS Gridman. Ian Sinclair, you've heard this. Bardo in the Black Butler franchise. Zap Redford, Blood Blockade Battlefront, Meso Shoji in My Hero Academia, Hajime Sugoroku in Nabaka, and Yang in Robyohachi. Larry Bradley's... This is the first time we've ever talked about him. He's also... <laughs> red is it? No, yes. wait. No, no, no. The that... w no, no, the W's does not count. No, no, no. Wasn't he an Ace Attorney? Yes, he voices Red White, Ace Attorney. Okay. Chapati Lola in Fairy Tales, Spinner Requested by Hero Academia, Jim Evian in Sakura Wars Echo de Paris. And because I know Roots is here, <laughs> there's no way I could not include this one. He's Wishbone <laughs> from Wishbone. <laughs> I told. Okay. When I first showed Steph the first episode of this several months ago, and I told her that was Wishbone, she was like, What the fuck? Are you serious? It was so funny. So a fun fact, um, a lot of those 90s and early 2000s era uh, PBS shows, um, they were actually produced in Texas. Um, so you are you know going what? to see, because uh, he's not the only person uh, who you would probably recognize from like those PBS era kids shows uh, who work at Funimation now. I'm very curious. This is a conversation for another time. I'd love to find out some of these other Funimation people that were in Wishbone. That'd be fun to find out. Oh, no, 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 no. Not Wishbone. Um, uh, Duncan Brannon was an early voice of Barney, for example. Oh, my God. Yeah, I remember that being the thing. Yeah. Blew your mind, didn't I? Ah. Uh. I'm less surprised well, you... by that than I should be, and I don't know what that says about me at this point. Anyway. Anyways. God, okay. So. I don't know where to start with this, just because each of them brings their own 
little charm to this. Let's let's start with the lion. Lion is the good old friend friendly lion. He's the good ball. He's the good supervisor. Like, he's the kind of guy where it's like, he's a little awkward, but you can tell he cares about his subordinates. This is the kind of guy you actually would want to work for. He's a good dude. Life's beat him down a little, but he's a humble man. He's a family man. He looks, at sc he looks scary and intimidating, but he's a good dude. He's a nice dude. You'd hang out with him. You would have snacks with him. You wouldn't want to give him meat because then he'd go fucking wild, you know. As you did. But Chris George, Chris George brings this very uh, cowardly lion level tone of voice to him, where it's just like you're a big old softy, and I want to give you a hug, even though you're basically a big menacing king of the jungle. And just that very tone of voice he breaks with, like, oh, I'm just, I'm just here to doing my job. It's like, oh, it's very friendly. It's very, like, Hanna-Barbera cartoonish is the way I kind of would describe it, if that makes sense. Where it's like, it's the kind of yeah. cadence of voice where it's like, I would hear him be a wacky cartoon character. But yeah, no, Chris George is just very fun. He, he, he's very sweet. He, he's doing a good job. And I like seeing him interact with the other characters. Ian Sinclair is just... Anytime he's in a comedy and he gets to he gets to cut loose... Boy, does he cut loose. Like, like Lizard is more of a straight man character of this trio. But he gets some really funny reactions and quips. It's just some very fun lines, like... Go like anytime he'll he'll just randomly tell tell uh can God just fucking just go die or something like that. It's like, oh God, just he's got some quips. He's got some little lines. He he's also kind of suave and sexy and kind of dorky. He's got some fun reactions. He also has some blood curdling screams every time everybody rips off his tail. And I love how he I love how he he also voices the tail too. And I hear the yeah. twitch, twitch 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 twitch. It's like, oh god. But Ian is just a very wacky, fun guy anytime you put him in a comedic setting. Like, he's a great drama act. He's a great actor, period. But you can tell, like, when he gets to do comedy stuff, when you direct him to have fun and go wild, he will go wild. And god, like, this is kind of contained, but he's got some. That makes it all the better when he really lashes out and kind of reacts in, like, really fun funny, uh, like, insane, interesting ways. But he's the level-headed one. The wacky, insane, I can't believe that's fucking Larry Brantley way is Toucan. Oh my god. There is a reason that this was part of, like, our fan boat submissions, like, when we were pulling internally this is good this is insane this is unbelievable what the fuck was larry brantley as toucan this is like insane golden this is golden toucan toucan yeah <laughs> that's a pun that thank you roots that deserved at least a sensible chuckle and you gave me that um, thanks buddy I know I could count on you. Oh my god, this is unbelievably insane. This is wacky. This is the core of the show's comedy, is this fucking little asshole. 
and Larry does every side of him. He's scummy, he's lazy, he's cocky, he's very much like, he's also can be like a fake suck up and he could be a good game show host too. He's got so <laughs> many sides and it's unbelievable the things that come out of this character's mouth. He's a player. He's a he's a slut. He's a freaking he's a mad whore. He's just he's the worst person. He is the worst person you want in a team project. He is the worst person you would ever want in a team environment. You do not want to work with a toucan. He is the worst person. He's an asshole. He's terrible. Larry Brantley is fucking hilarious. This is genuinely the best performance in the entire dub. Bar none. Oh my god, he's so funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Oh, Go ahead, well, Okay. Um, so, like Andrew, I think I'm going to start with uh, Chris George's line, because really, um, of the main trio, I think I have the least to say. Um, he's really great as this sort of adorable fatherly figure. Um... Like, he's great. He he has this almost childlike naivete to him. And it's just absolutely adorable. Um, like, particularly the episode with the, um, with the office clinic. Uh, where he's freaked <laughs> out by the needle. Um, I... I really liked it. Um, he's also really good as a doting father. And, um, yeah, he's not a lot of the comedy of the show is channeled through him. Um, but he's just this great standalone good dude. And I would definitely work under a lion any day of the week. Um, Ian Sinclair's lizard. Um, this is the character I think the show is sort of pushing you towards it's sort of what I think is the the viewer's analog to the world I like the fact that they assume that the viewer is happily married I mean we never see his wife we never see his wife yeah. I wonder what's up with that but I mean, yeah, no. Probably he, like he, a, is, he, a is, he is the handsome boy that is hap that has a wife and has like I don't know, good for him. Sorry, continue your point. Yeah. No, no, no. Um Like he he's just he's just this great straight man to the antics that go on around him. But then he is allowed to freak out, and that is where Ian Sinclair shines. Um I'm actually glad um, Andrew mentioned he was also the voice of his tail, because I did not know that. Um, that is absolutely hilarious and adorable, and, well, I mean, as adorable as he can get is, like, this bloody stump that just goes twitch, twitch, wiggle, wiggle, twitch, 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 twitch. twitch, twitch. I also love that. I also love how he does like sometimes where there's just a shot of just him typing. You'll hear Ian going tap 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 tap. Oh yeah, that too. Like he provides his own onomatopoeia. It's it's perfect. Yeah. Um. 
like the defining scene I have for him is um, at the start of the Hawaiian vacation episode uh, where he's trying to get through customs, but um, Toucan tampered with his passport. <laughs> oh, God, that's that's a dick move even for Toucan. Also, he just gets random pop team epic-esque faces sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, his, when they, when they do the 3D models... Um, his is the one that shows up the most often, but at the same time, it's also the one that they ragdoll with the most. And it's just like, oh, it's so good. It's, it's so, so good. Because, um, I, at least from what it looks like, um, the 3D model thing, I want to say it's at least partially mocap. Because that is that is definitely what it looks like, but that's that's an aside. I I just like the fact that they like lizard gets ragdolled a lot, and it's just it's just a lot, and it's just what the show needs. Um, so Larry Brantley as Toucan. Um, it kind of blew my mind. I knew Larry Brantley did voice work at Funimation because I knew him as um, Hody Jones in One Piece. Yeah. Um, which that is, holy shit, another mind blow right there. Oh god, I still need to finish that arc. Um, but my god, um, Larry Blair, uh, Larry Brantley plays Toucan with this just inch thick layer of scum and grime and it's just it's just so perfect um he took home my dubby um I forgot which one I gave it to him for um I don't think it was Golden Ham I, it may have just flat out been best comedy actor yeah um but it is it is because this show puts so much of the comedic weight on top of Toucan's shoulders. Um, just to show how depraved he can get. And Larry Brantley just knocks it absolutely out of the park. Um, particularly, my standout moment for Toucan is after... Um, there's an entire episode where he is basically, quote-unquote, dead. Um, yeah. He does a, uh, a shonen manga running sequence with toast in his mouth, and he gets this whole monologue oh. that's absolutely hilarious. I think it's if I... Hi, I'm Toucan! I, I'm too busy paying for, off my debt, but my three girlfriends are covering for me, so it's all good! <laughs> and, then, and then he gets run down by Humukun. Yeah. He gets run down, he gets Shark run Coon over, and he gets a surprise cameo. He, he gets he gets the dramatic end credit sequence of him dying. Then he, he also did Yamakun and then he does the Yamcha crater. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about the crater. It's okay. Oh, it's so good. But um I bring that up because there's a sequence while he's dead. Uh and he's met by three Toucan gods. I think all three of them are played by Larry Brant. 
I think yeah. all three of them were actually played by Larry Brantley. <laughs> oh, they were. Oh, they were? Uh, okay, I didn't actually know that. Awesome. That's amazing. Um, one of them is sort of um, a flamboyant, effeminate voice. Um, one of them's like a thick southern accent, and then I can't remember the third one. But I'll be kind of snooty, so. Okay, kind of kind of snooty. Okay. Um, and they all have this roundabout fight about, like, the end-of-life logic. And, um... And Toucan gets this sort of epiphany that meetings are pointless that brings him back to life. And it's just this absolutely perfect, hilarious thing. And I think that embodies the character of Toucan. Um, besides the blatant adulter adultery and philandering, uh, despite feeding lion catnip specifically so that he can steal the prized ham that lion got from a client. Yeah. Um, or using a head scratcher while telling him that, oh yeah, BT dubs, I kind of leaked our client list by accident. Whoops. Um, that sort of meanings are pointless um, action realization that brings Toucan back to life is the embodiment of the character of Toucan, the laziness, uh, you know, and it's just perfect. I love this performance to death. I would absolutely punt Toucan into the sun if I ever met him. Uh, but this is great. So, yeah. Thumbs up all around for our main three. By the way, Ruth, it was <coughs> best male performance in comedy. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I guess the easiest way to start would be with Lime, because... And this is going back to what I was saying, especially with Tiger Le Leopard and Jade's casting, that's kind of an ideal type cast, because you kind of look at these three actors, and you kind of look at these three characters, and you kind of realize, like, there's some kind of similarities to them, like Chris George, like Chris George is a big looking dude, but deep down he's, pr he's pretty nice, much like with his character Lion, because, you know, Lion can be kind of intimidating, but it's... But really, he's just a gentle giant. So, and Chris matches to play that very well. It's I don't know if it's I don't know if it's kind of similar or a stark contrast to his uh, his say you because his say you sings the ending song, and it's funny because his say you sounds kind of like a Japanese Ian Sinclair to which Ian Sinclair is kind of the everyman, the busybody, if you will, of the show. And the fact that he has to put up with so much for so long that at this point he just kind of learns to accept it. Especially the constant incidents where uh, somebody rips off his tail. Somebody's just bleeding out screaming. I shouldn't be laughing at that, but it's just... That's so goddamn funny. I think one of my favorite bits from him was that scene where he and 2K try to go on a double day and 2K try to get out of it. Because remember how they made the Yu-Gi-Oh reference in that episode? Yeah, they had a Yu-Gi-Oh yeah. reference immediately followed by Toucan summoning the world and stopping time. Yeah, I found out in the Japanese, uh, Lizard is played by Seto Kaiba. 
Is he really? Okay. Yes. <laughs> so that, Okay. So it's kind of like the show knew what they would do when they cast him. I don't know. Oh, 100%, probably. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's it definitely kind of funny. And, uh, Larry Bradley's too cat. I'm going to preface by saying this. I do not like asshole characters. I do not like them, the man I am. I come home from a long day of work. The last thing I want to see or care about is an asshole in anime. Why the fuck would I care about him when I hate him in real life? That haven't been said. When I saw Larry Bradley, this, this character, it's like, Oh my god, this is so goddamn relatable. It's like, you don't even know. Because Toucan, he's not just one of those characters you want to hate or that you hate in general. It's just that. He is the epitome of every person you ever hated throughout your period of life. But it's not only that, it's Larry's dialogue that also sells me on the character too, because he kind of has to match the energy of Hiro Shimono, who, let's just say this is the second least annoying, most annoying character he's wait, ever played. Wait, 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 hang on a second, hang on here. Is Toucan played by Zenitsu in Japanese? Yes, he is. Holy so, shit. So the, <laughs> so the fact that he had to match his energy, which obviously is not an easy feat, and the fact that the things Toucan says is just downright fucking obnoxious, I really admired it so much that... I, I really admired it so much that, trust me, Trust me, Roots, you were not, not the only person that gave him a dummy for that. As a matter of fact, when I gave him a dummy for it, I was trying to nod to this episode like you did for Radiant. But, uh, yeah, ah, I kind of, yeah. But that kind of failed. So, oh, shit. Yeah, okay. it's, it's just one of those things you really have to see to believe. And, uh, you know, if it's not your thing, I, I don't blame you. Because, you know, he's just fucking obnoxious. And kind of, it's kind of even funny that I bring up the say you because he also sings the opening of this song, which I really enjoy very much. And that energy cannot be beaten in any scenario, whether Japanese or in the dub. But I think at this point, it kind of brings us into our final thoughts. And uh, while I are, try... Are we ready to clock out? I'm ready to clock out. I'm ready to punch. Uh, I'm ready to punch two cats lights out. Uh. Huh? I can't believe two cats was quicker than I thought. But <laughs> yeah. So uh, that haven't been said. Uh, Roots, why don't you take? Why don't you kick this off? Sure. Um. So I'm actually glad we're doing an episode for a dub like Africa Salary Man. Um, just because this is kind of a show that would have slipped through the cracks otherwise. Mm, yeah, definitely. Uh, like, this, I was definitely surprised when I saw the news that Funimation was dubbing this. Um, I had honestly expected somebody would pick it up, just, you know, stream it. Maybe we'd get a sub-only Blu-ray down the line. Um, so I'm really glad that they took a chance with this one. Um, this is sort of my opportunity 
like with um with the smile down the runway episode where I stand on my soapbox and say, hey, you know, give your backlog a little bit of love. Um, obviously, with sort of the human malware out there, um, kind of causing a lot of delays for, you know, seasonal shows to get dubs, um, it is a good opportunity to go back and Watch a couple of shows maybe you meant to get to at some point, but never did. There's some good stuff in there. I promise. It won't bite. It won't bite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, kind of this year in Dub Talk, we have kind of accidentally gone into the role of picking out random things that you might have missed to talk about. Just because, you know, nature of the beast. Um, and this this show was a beast indeed. Oh, absolutely. Um, in terms of the show itself, your mileage with it will vary yeah. dramatically mm -hmm. with how much you can tolerate Toucan. Oh, yeah. Like, it's... Um, he is an absolute asshole of a character. Um... That would definitely put a lot of people off on a show like this, but if that's something you can get through, this is this is absolutely something worth your time. Because uh, it is just an absolute blast. A lot of voice actors get to just go into the booth and have a blast. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. It's, very, it's a very solid comedy dub. Obviously, if you translated this one-to-one, -one, it wouldn't have the same kind of punch. So, um, jokes all land well. It's well-directed, well-acted, well-cast, well-written, yada yada. Check it out and give your backlog a little bit of a hug. There's very few directors I... Like, there's, there's a lot of directors I like, but there's only a couple I could really say... With full confidence, if they're at the helm of this, I have full faith in the dub. I feel very safe in saying I can say that anytime I see Jade Saxton is slated to direct a dub. I genuinely do not think I've had any actual qualms or issues with anything she's directed at this point. And that's genuinely impressive. She's done a lot of different stuff. Some stuff with giant casts, some stuff with very small casts. A lot of things that are very enjoyable. Some of some of my own personal favorites. She's really good at what she does. She's got she got a really fun cast with this one. This is a really goofy dub, a really goofy show. Uh, the script's also very fun and punchy and spicy. I think Caitlin Barr does a fantastic job with that too. This is a weird show. I don't love this show. It's got some flaws. I think Honey Guide and Honey Badger are actually kind of insufferable, to be honest. And I think not every joke is going to land. Not every episode is as interesting as the other. But I had a lot of fun with this dub that was definitely improved my time with the show overall. I think this is definitely a dub that I'm glad we did finally get to cover. And this was fun to revisit. I say it's totally worth a watch and give it a check. Give it, give it, a, give it a chance. You may not love it, but it's at least worth a try. And the dub, I can 100% say is definitely worth price admission. 
Yeah, for me, uh, if there's a show I really care about, it kind of falls into either one or two categories. It's something I can really connect with, something that's emotional, and I try to... I, can't, I don't want to say deconstruct. I try to uh, examine the pieces of the show very carefully. Then there are other shows I just turn my brain off and just watch. Africa Sally Man is the latter show. Because I remember back when it was a simultub, I saw some early reviews for it. And some people kind of equated it to like a Gretzko. What's up? <clears throat> I remember some people would say it's like a Gretzko for men. And I remember some. I remember other people like compared it to other shows like B Stars or B and A or that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, it's something I relate to because when I watched it on a weekly basis, it was something I could enjoy, something I could relate to. But like the other says, yeah, your mileage may vary, very especially with two can. Not every joke is gonna hit, you know. Not every character is gonna be likable, but. Hey, if you if it helps you disconnect from reality at least a little bit, you you'll be okay with the show, you know. I I do recommend you at least check it out just once, just to say you did, because with Jade, Caitlin, and the rest of the crew, they did a very good job putting the stuff together. And I know Caitlin definitely pointed out that this is a show that people should watch and I know right now she's either sneezing or just crying in happiness too somewhere. But uh that haven't been, but that haven't been said, if you want to see the show for yourself, both the sub and dub are available for streaming on Funimation.com, as well as the Funimation Now app. Premium memberships are available starting from $5.99 a month. If you're unsure, a free trial is available for those who sign up. But remember, credit card is required for both options, so be aware of that in case you need to cancel. The show is also available to own on Blu-ray. You can purchase it at Right Stuff, Best Buy, wherever you purchase your anime. If you want to see us and A in the chat shenanigans we get up to, we can be found on a Dub Talk Podcast. Uh, we can be found at YouTube on Dub at Dub Talk Podcast. Uh, Tumblr, Instagram, by the same name. Uh, we can also be found on Twitch, 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 Twitch. Oh, God damn it. Why is the blood <laughs> everywhere? God damn it. God damn it, yeah. Tumblr was just fired recently, so uh, I've been kind of going to loop all of a sudden. But we could, you can also help support the... Uh, you can also help support us. Actually... Don't forget, they can also take us... If they want to take their work home with them, they can. On the go. Yes, on the go at Spotify, on uh, Podbean. What else? Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts Why the hell the can one. I never remember Apple Podcasts? You're good. But yeah, no, yeah. If, you, if you want to listen to us audio-only format, you can. We appreciate it. We love you. If you also want to support the podcast, you can do so through two options, our Ko-Fi and our Patreons, to which we'd like to thank our patrons. patrons. In the $5 tier, we have B. Morris, Michelle Travis, Mimaculous Corazon, and Victor Mabarona. In our $10 tier, we have Carly Lestikow, Crimson Kinder, Jacob Wilson, J2, a.k.a. Jared, Julia W., Marissa Lenti, 
Nico Robin, but with Yowie heads and Otaku Anthony. Thank you so much for supporting our podcast. You are wonderful people. And thank you very much to all all of our patrons who originally voted for this exactly a year ago to cover for our fall seasonal. We're sorry it took so long. We finally got it. Yes, it's been it's it's been a it's been a it's been a weird year. Okay, it's been a year. Better late than never. So it's been like five years in the past six months. It's been like five years in the past month, man. Anyways, I'm ready to clock out of this office and change into yes. something more comfortable. Should I should I plug myself? Yeah, yeah. Please plug yourself, Shelby. Alright, my name is Andrew, a.k.a. Classy Spartan. You can find me on Twitter at Mangaman9000. Another thing I do, outside of being a regularly fun-loving, sometimes cancelled member of this podcast, is I am also a member of Surreal Resolutions Podcast ONA, where I talk about latest and greatest in anime news alongside fellow Dub Talk podcast cohort Jet. That's what I do. All right. Um, and if you'd like to find me, um, I am on the twitter.com at Roots of Justice. Um, I mainly just retweet cute animal pics, talk general fandom stuff. It's a good time. Just drop by. Say hi. Um, my reviews are also well in the works. Um, when they are ready, you will find them at... Um, Roots of Justice Anime Time blog show at dot wordpress dot com. Um, and yeah, it's finally happening. Yep. Again. Eventually. Yeah, speaking of finally happening, I'm an assistant editor for this podcast. I can also be found on my YouTube at Chapstar1, on Twitter at Chapstar529, Twitch by the same name. Uh, blogs collected dust. I'm also trying to play a solo podcast if I can uh, remember to pick up the pieces, but it's gonna happen. Oh, believe me, it's gonna happen. Just we wait and see. And I think that'll do it for today. Do any any final words before we p- clock out? Uh, nope. I'm ready to punch out. I'm not getting paid overtime for this shit at this point. This labor is costing me. And I'm ready to go hit the town. And oh, right, nothing's open because of the, the corona. Yeah, okay. So I'm just going to stay inside. I'm just going to stay inside and play Fire Emblem. That's what I'm going to do. Hey, there. So from all of us to you, from, from all of us here at Dub Talk to you, we wish you a good day at Otaku On. Otaku On, Otaku On. Don't pull off your co-worker's tail. That's just fucking rude. Yeah, can I have my tail back, please? Nope. Yoink. Yeah, well... Fuck you. Yeah, here you go, man. Um, Keep it focused. Stitching it back on. Thank you. Keep it focused. Shiroi